Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Brenda Del Rio, who's an admissions counselor at Southern Methodist University in beautiful Dallas, Texas. Brenda, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Absolutely, John. Thank you so much for having me here. Really, really excited that I'm able to spend some time to talk to you about um, SMU and the overall application process. I am doing absolutely great. You know, it is a gloomy day out here um, in Dallas, which typically <laughs> it's pretty sunny. Um, but you know what? We're going to pretend that the sun is still out and shining. Uh, but yeah, it's been a really great day so far. Well, fantastic. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you. And I can't wait to hear about all the great things that SMU has to offer. So let's get right to it, Brenda. What is it about Southern Methodist University that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Right. So I'm sure you hear that um, there are a lot of different things about institutions that bring students um, in for into the community. Um, for us, easily, there are a lot of reasons for sure. But I think that one of the top reasons that a lot of our students love to work with us um, and want to be a part of the community, especially, is the ability to or for our students to double major, if not triple major, and still graduate within those full four years. Um, so our academic curriculum is really flexible in the sense that it's really easy for our faculty and advising team to support our students with whatever academic or even career endeavors that they have, um, which is really great for our students because I always say, you know, um, at this age, they have a really solid idea of what they want to study, but some, uh, and usually a huge chunk, um, don't have any idea at all. And it's not because they're not any less passionate or interested um, in the real world or in learning in that sense, but because sometimes they just have such a huge variety of interests that it's really hard for them to ask and just settle for one area of interest. Um, so instead, at SMU, we don't ask our students to compromise. Um, we'll just say, hey, you let us know what it is that you're interested in pursuing, and we will absolutely help you to achieve those goals, um, which is even better for our students who do realize later that they are interested in other areas of subjects that they never would have previously considered, for example, um, or for those that are 
are finally been able to realize what kind of pathways are available. It's really great because even if um, it's not something that they see themselves like totally being committed to academically, they're still able to have that added on um, in some kind of foundation. Even if it's not a major, um, we'll have students that will minor if not specialize as well, uh, which is really great because again, we're able to kind of equip our students with that career skills so that whenever they are um, encountering other opportunities that they previously wouldn't have considered beforehand, they're still equally prepared to go and enter into that world and succeed. So I would say that's easily one of our top reasons why so many students love studying here with us. Well, I appreciate that answer. And I loved how you explained the different pathways that you have and how students don't have to compromise. In fact, you said that they could double or triple major and still, thanks to your flexibility, graduate in the four years. I think that's fantastic. Thank you for that overview, Brenda. Yeah, no problem. And so I know that you're right outside of the beautiful city of Dallas, Texas, which must offer tremendous opportunities for students to have internships. And of course, business is one of your largest programs on campus. But Brenda, what else? What else can you tell us about life on campus outside of the classroom? Yeah, absolutely. So I always say that as a Mustang with us, you'll never be bored. Um, There's always something going on within the SMU community. And even then, you have the greater city of Dallas right at your feet. Um, In terms of on campus, outside of the classroom, our students do get the um, opportunity to live with us, of course. We require that they live with us for the first two years that they're there. So as a freshman and as a sophomore, they'll be a part of our residential common system. I love our residential common system. Um, They're really unique from other housing departments from other universities because each common has its own personality, very much like a Harry Potter house, Um, except (laughs) for students don't go through um, a a sorting hat ceremony. Instead, they do something a little bit more boring, which is just the housing survey. Uh, But I always say, hey, make sure you're really honest on that survey because they'll use those personality-like questions to try to place you in the common that's best uh, suited towards you and your personality. And the idea is that hopefully um, the student, their first year will really love the community that they were placed in um, so that by the time that they're a sophomore, they'll say, hey, residence life, I absolutely loved um, the community that you all put me in. I would love to come back here and live with my friends again the following year. So it's even greater because we're able to really foster a kind of community environment for our students um, whilst while they're able to kind of uh, in- interact with the Dallas um, community because we are ultimately in an urban environment, um, which is really beneficial for our students in a lot of ways, but especially because, A, they get to have a lot of fun, get to create a lot of memories with us, but also because they're still able to dive into the other opportunities, specifically like networking and career. Um, It's still really easy to do that. Well, I appreciate you explaining the residential commons, and that is something that's extremely unique, and it fosters that sense of community, like you said. And I have to mention that I read a statistic that well over 90% of the freshman class returns, which is an astonishing number and a testament to the great work that you do with your team in admissions, but also the great work that the university fosters to create that sense of community. So congratulations on all of that. And Brenda, I was also curious, can you tell us more about the Methodist in SMU? 
Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, our full name is Southern Methodist University. Um, as you probably noticed, I go by SMU a lot more. Um, and it is a name that we're moving more towards uh, simply because the Methodists can throw a lot of students off when they're interacting with us for the first time. Um, so much like Boston University, uh, SMU was actually founded by the Methodist Church um, back when we were first founded in 1911. Um, but those ties were shortly cut off afterwards, um, after a few years of our founding. Um, so we're no longer a part of that Methodist institution, even though we keep we kept the name Methodist in our name. Uh, so a lot of students sometimes assume that we'll have some kind of like religious component or requirement in order to attend or be a part of our student body. And we are non-sectarian and we actually um, have a lot of students from a variety of backgrounds, um, both cultural and religious, of course. So no matter where you're coming in from, do know that we have um, that kind of support for you, uh, whatever it is that you're looking for. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you so much, Brenda. And can you walk us through the overall application process at SMU? Many students and their parents, I'm sure you could imagine, want to know what exactly happens once they hit the submit button on their applications. So Brenda, any insight that you can share, such as whether you evaluate by high school, by region, by intended major, or anything else would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. So at SMU, we do practice a holistic and contextual admission review, which I'm sure is a term that a lot of you um, hear a lot, especially as you've started uh, navigating this college search process. Um, so because we're holistic and contextual, it does mean that we will always ask additional questions whenever we're looking at somebody's application. So I always say, even if you're a 4.0 straight A student, we will always ask additional questions. And the, um, the questions will look the same for everybody all around. Um, typically, they will look like, where did you go to high school? Uh, where was this high school located? Was it in a major city or was it in the middle of nowhere in a very rural area, for example? How many APs, if any, did this high school offer and how many of those APs did you take? Um, so those are always kinds of things that we will be taking into consideration when we're considering someone for admission. Um, so for that reason, at SMU, we don't have a specific uh, test score GPA requirement. We do accept a lot of students from a variety of backgrounds because we also understand that no student is ever the same. Um, but really, what we really take into consideration um, that will be the major deciding factors for us would be um, more so uh, how you took advantage of the high school's um, curriculum and if that curriculum was rigorous and if not, still were you able to succeed in it. Um, extracurriculars as well. Uh, we don't ask that students um, commit themselves to a crazy schedule, you know, just something that they can really see themselves uh, succeeding in and more importantly, sticking to things that they're interested in as well. Um, but other than that, uh, that's really it in terms of that um, process. In terms of majors, we'll sometimes take a look at that to see like where a student is headed. Um, for example, we'll have students that are really interested in engineering. But if we see that a lot of the lower earning grades were in math classes, for example, then that's when we would probably take something like that into consideration. But for the most part, we're just looking at the students' um, prior high school experiences and how they've been able to incorporate that into their daily livelihood and how they would potentially incorporate that into um, a potential community member with us. Well, we appreciate that. And speaking of the students, what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and any other related data you collect, such as SAT or ACT scores. And Brenda, I'm also curious, what is the percentage of in-state students compared to out-of-state students? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll answer your second question first. <laughs> uh, so the in-state amount of, of students that we have from Texas is actually just through 38%. Um, so it's not the full amount of the student body, um, which is pretty great for us because even though we are pretty Texas heavy, um, when it comes to those native Texans wanting to attend an institution at SMU, I always say it's like the best out-of-state experience without us fully committing to leaving the state because let's face it, us Texans are obsessed with ourselves. Um, I always think about how uh, whenever I go to Jersey, I never see them waving their state flag around, but easily down here in Texas, you can see that for sure. Um, so it's really great for those students that are looking to still be in touch with that culture, um, those roots without fully committing to that. Um, but everyone else does come from out of state. Um, so we are predominantly um, out of state institution, if you will. Um, if you were to ask me, like, where are those students coming in from that are outside of Texas, um, it would actually be a, a really a huge range. Um, you're looking at different states like Connecticut, New Jersey, Alabama, Florida, and California. Um, so it's really great too because you'll notice that it's not from just one specific region either, which I really like because um, a lot of these students will be coming along and meeting a fellow neighbor that they didn't realize that they had before, but they're also going to be meeting a whole lot of other people too, um, which is really great. So there's a lot of um, range within that student body. And then in terms of our class profile, um, last year, the middle 50% GPA average ranged from a 3.6 to a 3.9. Um, and again, that's just the middle 50%. So it does mean that um, of those accepted students, 25% were above and below those ranges. So I always um, try to keep that or remind the students and families of that um, detail. Um, otherwise, in terms of testing, um, that middle 50% in terms of the ACT, that was 31 um, to 34 um, were the scores um, that we had. And for the SAT, you're looking at the middle 50% of a 1370 to a 1500. Um, out of those that did submit their test scores, only half of our applicants um, decided to apply test optional, so about 49% to be exact. Um, so it's still a really great number for us. It's something that we're really satisfied with, um, but that, or, that is our facts and figures from last year's round. Well, I appreciate that. And you talk about the wide range of states that the students come from. Brenda, I was just curious, what regions do you cover in terms of the admissions process for SMU? Yeah, so I have the pleasure of covering a variety of regions. Um, so, of course, some of that includes Texas, where I'm able to go down into the amazing cities of San Antonio, for example. If you haven't been, it is an amazing city that is always <laughs> a lot of fun. It's full of culture. Um, I also have the pleasure of overseeing the Rio Grande Valley um, in Texas, or the RGV is what they call it, or the Valley for short. Um, beautiful area that is always warm um, in the ocean. It's just always beautiful to see when I'm there. And then I oversee other um, areas too, like I sometimes will go and um, uh, work with the international team and oversee countries like Mexico, for example. Um, I also have the pleasure of working with other awesome states like Washington, Nevada, and New Jersey. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that overview. And I know that you talked about your mid-50% a little earlier. If a student falls below the current freshman class average, what are some of the things that they can do to enhance their overall application? 
Yes, absolutely. I'm really glad that you asked that because there are definitely ways that they can help enhance their application, um, especially because, again, we understand that grades, testing, there could be a whole variety of reasons for that. And we've seen um, a lot, for example. I would say for sure uh, is by taking advantage of the holistic review. I think it's really helpful for students, especially who know that um, they are really intelligent, is just not able to show within that those grades, for example. Um, so taking advantage of a holistic review is really helpful because oftentimes when you're interacting with those kinds of admissions teams, they will have a question on the application that'll say, hey, is there anything that you want to tell us that happened in high school or throughout your education progression that will help us better understand you? And I really like it when students take the time to address anything um, within their application, even if, for example, they got like a couple of more C's than usual. Um, and it can be for any reason. And I know that some students are probably a little bit hesitant to answer that because they think that their experience wasn't as valid. I always say if it happened to you, then it definitely was a valid experience that you should write about. So we've seen a whole lot of reasons. Um, for example, like, um, and we know that some students may have lower grades due to COVID, um, especially due to that virtual learning impact. You know, some students just didn't or weren't able to have that kind of learning translate as easily, so it impacted their ability to perform well in the virtual classroom. We totally get that, um, and it's really great when students go out of their way and say, hey, it's just not my style, and for that reason, I have those lower grades. But as you can see, I was able to keep it um, at a steady pace once we were back in school. And there have been other reasons, too, outside of COVID. Um, some of those include um, my teacher just wasn't supportive in high school, um, which is unfortunate, but it is a reality that we sometimes face. Other reasons may include um, other uh, um mental health reasons, for example, um, other physical health reasons, family reasons, um, they really uh, go, um, they really range um, typically. So to us, again, it doesn't matter, but it really helps to understand like what was going on throughout that time so that we can really make um, a decision that's best suited towards you. Um, another thing that they can really do um, as well is uh, showing um, interest really helps as well. You know, a demonstrated interest does go a long way. Um, even if you're not able to go visit the school because we understand that um, visiting physically can um, take a lot of planning um, and investing as well, depending on the circumstances. And it's not something that everybody is able to do all of the time. Um, but thankfully, due to COVID, it increased the amount of virtual platforms that are available. So if you're able to even do a virtual information session or tour, it really goes a long way, um, especially for us. Um, if we don't really know you or if we haven't interacted with you as a student before, we're able to see, okay, they definitely have taken the time to do the research about us. It really helps to um, also make a, a really confident decision in that regard. And then last but not least, um, I would say applying early also helps, um, especially if you know that a school is your top choice. Um, when you apply early to any institution, especially the schools like SMU, you're telling us that it's one of your top choice schools and that you can really see yourself coming here. And because you're indicating that by applying early, um, it also helps us to give you or grant you a little bit of leniency in terms of those academics. Well, I really appreciate that answer. Number one, apply early, which is always great advice. Also, to hit submit and hopefully take uh, a deep breath, students and parents, until you wait for your uh, many decisions, which I'm sure will come. Mm -hmm. But also, you mentioned demonstrated interest, and I appreciate that. Could you just elaborate a little bit more? In addition to the virtual events, 
What are some of the other things that students may do to demonstrate their interest? Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, we get it. Um, Sometimes events are only available throughout the school day. And of course, we want you to be committed to school as well. (laughs) So it might not always be possible to um, be able to join in on some kind of virtual opportunity with the schools that you're interested in. Um, If that's the case, then I would say shoot an email to your admission counselor. Everybody has an admission counselor, regardless of which institutions that you're looking at, especially for us here at SMU. Um, We assign by region, so you can always go to our website, for example, um, smu.edu forward slash find your admission counselor, and um, it'll be able to tell you who that person is. And we are a resource for you. We're not just here to read applications and um, talk to students. We do genuinely want to help. And there's never any dumb question either. So I would say definitely start off by introducing yourself. Feel free to ask a question or two. Um, Even if you've taken the time to do some research on the website, feel free to ask the counselor that same question anyways, because again, we're resourceful. We might be able to connect you with students and other faculty members that can really kind of help paint the picture as to how you can better see yourself here. Well, we appreciate that. And I always put the link to the Office of Undergraduate Admissions in the show notes. Brenda, if there's any other links that you want me to include, just send them to me and I'll make them available to the students and parents again in the show notes. I also want to go back to what you said earlier about writing about certain things that may or may not have happened. You said, if it happened to you, it's a valid reason to write about, to explain. And I really appreciate that. And I just wanted to repeat it because I thought it was such a great point. And speaking of applying, Brenda, what are the different ways a student may apply to SMU? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? Yeah, absolutely. So we have three different ways, ultimately, that students can apply under um, the early decision one, of course, which is binding. Um, that tells us that SMU is the number one top choice and that um, you're okay with having to enroll with us if you are admitted into the institution. Um, early action, I am a big advocate of early action. Um, it's a really great way to tell us that SMU is one of your top choice schools and that you can really see yourself coming here, but without the full commitment of having to stay yes if you hear back um, and then we have the regular decision round um, that uh, will that students will typically apply for later until January 15th um, in my opinion I am a big champion of early action I like early action a lot because again not only does it allow students to tell us that we are one of their top choice schools um, because For SMU, uh, personally, we have a lot of our uh, class come in through that early action round. So there are some instances where a student who applied um, regular decision, I had really wished they applied early action instead, because since most of the class comes in under that early action round, I am able to give a little bit more leniency in terms of grades or um, other factors um, or, or external circumstances in that regard. And then sometimes when a student applies regular decision instead, because most of the classes come in at that time, I have to be a little bit more strict at that point as to who I'm admitting because I also have to make sure that residence life doesn't hate the admissions office for bringing in so many students um, within that <laughs> class. So there are a lot of times where I just say, man, if the student had just taken the time to apply early it would have been an easy take, but now I'm stuck between a wait list, a deny, or even a conditional offer of admission, all of which um, a student who isn't really hoping to receive back for me. So I would say definitely early action. Um, it's useful for a lot of reasons, but especially for the student and family too. 
because if you apply um, by our, our early action deadline, you're typically receiving a decision back by mid-December, um, and you don't have to enroll then, although most students will at that point, you still have until May 1, that national enrollment deadline, to fully decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So if you are considering other options, or if you need to talk about additional resources like scholarships and financial aid, you have that time on your hands. Um, versus regular decision, even though it's still a great deadline, you're not getting your decision back until later, usually by early to mid-March, which doesn't leave as much time until May 1. Um, I do emphasize to our students, you know, this is the last time you're going to be a senior in high school. We do want you to enjoy it. So try to make sure that it's also as stress-free as possible by just doing everything early. Well, I appreciate that advice, the insight in terms of applying early action. First of all, that means that you're getting your applications in early. It is not binding. Like you said, you'll get your response by mid-December, and still you have until May 1st to make that decision. So that mm -hmm. seems like great advice, and I really appreciate that. I was also curious, Brenda, do you have an honors program at SMU? And if so, how are students considered for it? In other words, do they have to apply separately or are they considered based on their original application? Yeah, so we have a couple of honors programs that our students can be invited into. Um, and thankfully, it's not something that they have to submit additional applications for. So for those, they're automatically considered as soon as they apply with us. Um, if they're admitted into SMU, we'll take a second glance at their application and say, okay, this student has taken advantage of the rigor at their high school and they've done well. Let's go ahead and extend an invite into one of these honors programs. Um, now, there's two that we have, um, the university. The um, honors program and then the Hilltop Honors program. Um, so, one thing that's really great about um, them is that a they're both academically focused, so you will be um, in a group of students that are taking um, usually more rigorous coursework than that would typically be available to the um, average SMU student. Although all of our curriculum is rigorous, the idea is that these are more discussion-based as well. Um, so these students are able to kind of not only make those connections with each other, but they're also able to bounce off those ideas within the community. But the other aspect of our honors program, specifically with top one, for example, is that um, it's also more focused on community service and leadership. Um, so overall at SMU, um, the student body is really passionate about giving back to the community. So it's something that uh, students will commonly do at least once within their social career here with us um, is do at least one kind of community service project or engage in one. Um, the idea with the Hilltop um, uh, Scholars Program is that with that one, they're able to create their own um, program, and then hopefully it'll be something that'll be continuing post-graduation as well. Um, so it's really great because not only are our students able to uh, take what they learn real time in the classroom, but they're able to apply that and then use those skills in the real world, and especially within the Dallas community where they're hopefully able to leave positive Act. But other than that, again, it's really easy to be considered. They just need to complete um, their application at SMU, and we'll take it from there. Well, we appreciate that overview, and it's always nice to hear about the opportunities to give back to the community. So thank you so much, Brenda. That's awesome. And I know that SMU is test optional, and you touched a little bit upon this earlier, but can you share the percentage of students that apply and that are ultimately admitted that did not submit their test scores? 
Yeah, so that exact number is 49.7%. Um, so just a little bit less than half of our class uh, will apply um, test optional, meaning that they do not submit test scores at all within that part of the process. Um, I always say universities and colleges in general will have um, unique test optional policies, especially post-COVID. Um, for us at SMU, I always recommend students to contact their counselor, their admission counselor, and ask if it's a good idea to submit their test scores because um, test scores, if they are submitted, it does impact that merit consideration as well. So I always say, hey, just reach out. Um, we'll be able to give you the best counseling as possible. But again, every school is different. So it's, it's that's something that is really important to keep in mind as you interact with different universities. So at SMU, the test score is used in terms of merit-based scholarships? If it is submitted. Otherwise, if a student decides to remain test optional, meaning that they don't submit test scores, they're still given the equal consideration for merit aid, so they're not penalized in any way. Um, instead, we'll just place a heavier emphasis on all of their other materials, like the letters of recommendation, their personal essays, etc. Thank you so much for the clarification. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And what about AP, IB, or SAT subject test scores, does SMU accept them for credit? And how do you evaluate these types of courses as part of your overall admissions process? Yes, absolutely. So we do take these credits. Um, we highly encourage our students to take advantage of these courses if they are made available to them. Um, and we do take all three. I know that some students will definitely try to bring in um, an AP foreign language requirement or sometimes take the SAT subject too um, in some kind of foreign language like Spanish, and they will use that to fulfill our requirement at SMU. So we're really happy to work with students in that regard. Um, we do take a close look at APs, IBs, um, if available, especially um, throughout the admission process. The SAT subject test, um, that's not something that we actively look for, but if it's something that an applicant has, it definitely helps them stand out from all of the others as well. So it's um, beneficial to have in that sense. But otherwise, with APs and IBs, um, since we are contextual as well, whenever we do review somebody for admission, we're also looking at the context of that high school, um, including um, if the high school offered any APs, and if so, how many do they offer total, and more specifically, how much on average are the students taking there. Um, and we'll kind of use that information to see if the student is utilizing the rigor that is made available to them, and if so, and what levels are they utilizing that from. So it is something that we take a close look at, um, for sure. I appreciate it. And I know that every single high school in the country offers a school profile, which is what helps you determine how many APs, the rigor, the grade breakdown even of the graduating class. So students and parents, if you're curious about your own school profile, usually it's available online. Or of course, you could reach out to your guidance departments to ask them what it looks like. So thank you so much again for that insight, Brenda. And recently, I received a few emails from parents whose children are homeschooled. Brenda, can you offer any insight in terms of how the application process differs for students that are homeschooled? Absolutely. So I actually had the pleasure of previously overseeing homeschooled students. 
Um, with that, counseling has now been handed over to one of our other assistant directors who um, has joined the team with us. Um, and she's been doing great at it. But because I had the pleasure of overseeing them, it does mean that I'm able to offer some unique insight and advice. Um, so homeschooling is interesting um, because it's something that I've seen increase within the past several years since I have um, overseen that community. Um, and there are a lot of reasons why students are homeschooled. Um, one of the top two reasons that I would see is either uh, they realized um, post-COVID that virtual learning was something that they did prefer, which is uh, awesome. I'm really glad that they were able to realize that at, at a young age. Um, another reason, um, which I thought was really awesome, is that sometimes students would be so busy um, uh, trying to perfect a skill or a sport, for example, like dancing or soccer, um, that they treat school like a, uh, I guess, like a backup job, if you will. So and they don't take it very seriously, of course, but because they're so invested in soccer, for example, they don't have the regular time commitment that an average high school student has. So they'll spend their time um, doing online coursework at their own pace so that they can dedicate um, to their um, hobbies or other passions, for example. So honestly, when it comes to reviewing homeschooled students, um, it's really not entirely too different um, just because whether you are uh, being taught by a parent, by example, or if you're doing like a regular online program that you happen to find when you were doing some Google searches, for example, they all really, really vary. Um, so for us, it's not something that we treat too differently just because of how different each um, program may look like. The main thing that I noticed that we looked at differently whenever we did review uh, homeschooled students was that we noted where they lived instead of where they went to high school. Um, not that we would use that as part of our admission decision, but it would help with that context in some regard. Um, and then another thing was on um, the rigor, because the rigor is, uh, as we can imagine, would look very, very different um, from each homeschool student. Typically, um, homeschool committees do prefer that students have a little bit of rigor if available. Usually that'll take a shape in the form of maybe two or three additional APs that they were able to take at a local high school nearby. Sometimes that'll look like maybe two or three dual credit courses, even if they have a community college or like some other kind of early college program that they can take those courses with. So if it's possible, I would say try to stack on at least two or three. It never hurts. Um, and it really especially helps with scholarship consideration because um, that lack of rigor or because the rigor is so different in between different homeschool programs, it can be a little bit difficult to award that merit aid. Um, unless you have those APs or dual credits, for example, then it would be really easy um, to take that into consideration. But other than that, um, there really wasn't too much of a difference in terms of that. It was obvious, uh, I think it was personally a, a bit more lax um, for homeschool students, especially for parents, because they were often the ones writing their own letters of recommendation for their students, which I also thought was really interesting as well. Um, but other than that, it really wasn't that much different. Um, I don't think any student or parent need to be nervous when they're interacting with admissions offices when it comes to um, presenting themselves as a homeschool student. It's actually something that we're really familiar and working with, and you'd be surprised as to how easy it is to handle. Well, we really appreciate that comprehensive answer, which I thought was great. And of course, it's always advisable if students and parents have follow-up questions, just reach out to the Office of Undergraduate Admissions, and there's always people available to uh, take your calls, take your questions, and they're happy to help. So thank you so much for that, Brenda. We really appreciate it. Brenda, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you in a positive way 
And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think about when they're sitting down getting ready to write their essays? Absolutely. So I actually also have the pleasure of providing several essay writing workshops, um, especially to my students in the Valley, um, because them being next to um, the wonderful country of Mexico, that sometimes uh, understanding of how they should approach the essay process may look a little bit different. So I spend a lot of time giving advice on this. Um, one thing that I always say a part of the essay, especially because we'll notice that universities and colleges as a whole are moving away from the interview process because a lot of these schools are increasing the number of the applications that they've received. It's becoming a little bit more overwhelming for the admissions teams at those schools who did require interviews to continue prioritizing um, having said interviews. Like for example, at SMU, we actually did used to offer interviews as part of our admission process, but as as soon as we started receiving well over 10,000 applications, it just wasn't something that was feasible for us to continue offering. So we did have to unfortunately move away as part of that process and we no longer conduct interviews, which means that the only time a student has to talk about themselves is their essay. Um, and one thing that I always point out, because there are a lot of different application platforms that students can choose from, for example, Apply Texas, the Common App, or My Coalition score, for example, they all do have their own unique essay prompts, but the bottom line question that you will find, um, that's the general thing that they're asking is, tell us something about yourself. Um, so I always ask our students, focus on that. Tell us something about you, because at the end of the day, we are trying to get to know you. And again, there aren't that many opportunities for a student to say, hey, this is who I am. And even if they are, I'll be really honest, I meet thousands of people every single admission cycle. The chances of me remembering you firsthand right off the bat are kind of slim and it's nothing personal. It's just there's so many people to me um, that it's hard to retain um, the faces and names that I meet throughout the day. So when I'm reading your essay, oftentimes that's my um, kind of, wow, I remember this student and now I will never forget them because of either how well written their essay was or just something awesome that they were able to tell me about themselves. So I always say, make sure that it is about you and, and you only. Um, I help, I'll have students, you know, want to dive into, for example, their cultural and the background, which is really great, but sometimes that's the only thing they'll ever talk about. And I end up knowing more about their family than I do about the student themselves. So I always say it's your time to shine. So make sure that you just write whatever it is that you feel would be best representational of you. Well, that's great advice. And I could imagine exactly that. Students talking about their culture, their family, but neglecting to then talk about how that impacts them how has that made them the person that they are and exactly. and yeah and the essay is an opportunity for the students to really talk about themselves so it's lovely to talk about family to talk about a grandparent but don't forget students to reflect and explain how all of that has made you who you are because ultimately the essay is about you. So thank you so much for that insight, Brenda. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I was also curious, what programs does SMU offer to students who may have had an IEP while in high school to help ensure that they continue to be successful once they're on your campus? 
Absolutely. So we're very familiar with working with students who have um, a, a variety of IEPs, no matter how that may look like. Um, and so because we're really familiar with working with those kinds of students, we're also really familiar with offering support services. So it's nothing that's um, new to us. It is very second nature. Uh, we do have resources and departments here that are available to our students that will help them continue um, develop that IEP that they have here um, or with us um, at, once they start their academic career. Um, some of those departments include DAS or DASS is what I call it for short, um, the Disability Accommodation Success Strategies Office, as well as um, the Alt Schuler Learning Enhancement Center. They're both excellent resources that work really well together, but also with our students to make sure that they're able to accommodate them in any way um, possible. Oftentimes they will ask like, hey, if you did have an IEP in high school, go ahead and send that plan over to us and we'll see how we can best apply what you already had um, to the SMU curriculum and what else we can change about it to better support you socially as well because as you can imagine there are a little other factors that we'll have to take into consideration um, other than just academics so it's really great um, I know a lot of our students who had to come in through that pathway um, or needed to utilize those resources they're really happy and satisfied with the way that they um, have been able to uh, have that translated um, while they transitioned over into SNU um, they do feel strongly supported which I do see is part of a large reason why so many of our students are really really happy about being here and especially coming back um, for sure but because it's really easy for us to say hey that's not a problem let's just see what we can do to help you out um, it's really it becomes easier for our students when interacting with us in the admission process because they often hear from their friends as well like hey I had a great time transitioning onto here you know nobody I didn't feel um, awkward. I didn't feel like I was wearing like a scarlet letter. Um, instead, I felt very accepted and supported by the community and I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Well, thank you so much for that comprehensive answer. We truly appreciate it. And SMU, it sounds like there really is something for everyone in terms of everything that you offer in your classrooms and beyond. So thank you so much, Brenda. This has been an amazing conversation. And unfortunately, it leads us to the last question, which is, what are your top three pieces of advice that you would give a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Absolutely. So um, I understand that it can definitely be a nerve wracking process, but I always <laughs> say it definitely doesn't have to be that way. And it shouldn't, um, especially if you take the right step. So my advice, number one, um, will kind of tie into what I was mentioning earlier is start really, but don't start too early. I think the summer right before your senior year is the perfect time um, to start uh, doing things like writing a really rough draft of your essay, especially um, that way whenever you go into your fall semester, because let's face it, as a high school senior, you are going to be crazy busy juggling not only a full course schedule on top of your extracurriculars, on top of your family responsibilities, you're also adding the time and dedication that you'll need to um, put for these college applications. So again, we want you all to have as uh, stress-free of a senior year as possible. So I always say, try to prep around that time in that summer. Um, besides, you're not, you're probably not doing too much around that time anyway. So it's a really great time to put yourself in that headspace to prepare for the upcoming school year. Um, summer is also a really great time to start introducing yourself or even scheduling virtual appointments with your admission counselors. Um, I know, especially for me, when travel season started, which starts as soon as September comes around, there were a 
lot of students in school that were really anxious to meet with me um, and schedule appointments, but unfortunately, I didn't have any availability because I was out on the road and not in my office. Um, so I always say try to schedule those appointments throughout the summer. Um, on the admission side, summer is completely quiet and dead for us. Uh, we're really not doing anything at all. So you're actually doing us a favor by scheduling those appointments. So definitely take advantage of that free time. Um, my other piece of advice would be do your research, um, for sure. And by that, I would say ask questions and feel free to um, look online, but definitely ask questions um, accordingly. Um, like you mentioned earlier, we have team members that are really happy to assist. And again, no question is ever um, too silly or too dumb to ask. So go ahead and ask those institutions what, what it is that they mean by test optional and how that may look like for your student. Um, go ahead and ask them if you can be connected to faculty or other departments across campus that your students are interested in, um, because you never know what other kinds of connections that will be made available to you throughout that process and definitely ask about um, financial aid resources outside of scholarships too. So making sure you're doing your research in those areas, I feel like will really help students and parents make a confident decision with not only choosing the schools that they're applying to, but also um, in enrolling for as well. And then last but not least, I say keep an open mind. Um, I know that a lot of us have a really solid idea as to what we want our future to look like, but oftentimes um, life will happen and things will uh, be thrown in all sorts of way and it may work out the way that exactly like you um, planned it out and it might not. Everybody's story is different so just keep an open mind while you're going through this process. Um, there might be a school where you research it and it looks amazing and then you visit and you're like oh goodness this isn't what I was anticipating or even vice versa. You might say I would never consider that school. Um, still go ahead and do it anyways because you never know what is available to you, um, especially if you try and uh, kind of see what that um, institution is like for you. Um, and keep an open mind to different pathways as well. I know that some students aren't too happy about hearing the word transfer or um, conditional offers, but they are available for a reason. So, and again, nobody will um, kind of judge you or look at you any differently for going um, through to for, for interacting with an admission process um, in a different way. So again, everybody's story looks different. At the end of the day, the goal is to see you as part of the community. Um, I know here at SNU, we always like to say you got here as soon as you can. Um, so just keep an open mind throughout that process because you never know uh, what might come along your way and what you might end up falling in love with. Well, those are tremendous pieces of advice, Brenda. I really appreciate your time, your insight, your expertise today. I'm so happy because I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents Yay. navigating through the process. Thank you so much. We can't wait to have you again, Brenda. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John, for all of your hard work that you've done. I know that a lot of families and students are really appreciative of you and your hard work. And I'm really glad that we were able to take some time to talk as well. It's been really exciting and fun. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And again, I get to meet great people like you and hear about the college admissions process. So thank you so much. And Brenda, we truly hope to have you again. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.